Shalom, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. We believe the Torah is relevant for our lives today, God's teachings and instructions. You may very well be part of the first generation to be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and have the Torah, a Christian with Torah. Join us as we honor the living God through the study of His Word, topical conversations, and interviews with special guests. Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. I'm your co-host, Ryan Cabrera, and I'm in Studio B. By the way, this is Studio B, and I am with uh, Rabbi Jeremy Gimpel from the Land of Israel. Hi, Jeremy. How are you? Great. Excellent. Um, so, uh, little known fact, this is it's actually the middle of the night. It's so one in the morning. It's <laughs> And if uh, this goes where I'm a, I might be a little bit delirious at this point, but um, <laughs> we're, uh, we've been having a, a great time. Um, just, I don't know. It's been a five hour conversation, something yeah, like that. Something like that. And so we, <laughs> he actually spoke here and we were supposed to do this earlier, uh, but God ordained something different. We were supposed to do this. So uh, here this we are. This is much better. Much. I See, I agree. So this is why, right? You can be late to things because then you're like, see, it all worked it's out. All worked didn't out. It? Yeah, I got the proof, you know, <laughs> That's how it goes. So... Um, you know, for our audience, I want people to get to know you, you, um, uh, first the normal things where you're from. Um, but you know, really, I want to hear about your faith. You know, how did you come kind of to where you are? Were you always, um, uh, this deep into Torah and into God and all those things? Is this something you did as a, as a kid and grew up that way? Or you know, did you find it later? All those types of things. Wow. Oh, that's interesting. So, hmm, I feel like my identity is intertwined with my father's, you know, my grandfather, Uh, like my story begins, at least in my, the way I tell it to myself. Um, My grandfather walked from Russia to Israel in 1916. And he was 15 years old. He walked from Russia? He walked for a year year and a half. (laughs) It took him a year and a half to get to Israel. And he came from an Orthodox Jewish home. But I just can imagine walking for a year and a half, like to eat kosher, like, he sort of lost the observances of Judaism, although he like came there with the vision of hopefully establishing the Jewish country restored in the land. So yeah, yeah. he came with like a, a passion of biblical proportions to walk for a year and a half. But as far as his observances, um, less stringent in actually living a observant lifestyle. Okay. So my father grew up in that kind of home, grew up in Jerusalem. And he um, wanted to become a doctor. You know, I went to law school. Because in my family, you're either a doctor, a lawyer, or a failure. There are no other options. That's it. And so um, there was only one medical school in Israel, and my father couldn't get in. So he got on the last ferry to leave Israel and arrived in the United States with hope of becoming a doctor here. And so... Interesting. He eventually um, found his way to Atlanta, Georgia, at Emory University, and um, I was born in Atlanta. And you know, I was. And what's amazing is like the time that my family was in America was really brief, but growing up in America, I fully identified. I was an Atlanta Braves fan. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. I was just like I was like a little American kid growing up in in and it, and at that time, it's not that we were that um, religiously observant. We always knew that we were Jews, proud Jews. We always loved Israel. I always knew that we were eventually going to make it back to Israel. But like growing up in Atlanta, that's just the way we were. But my parents sent my older brothers to Jewish day school. 
because in Israel, it's just natural to just be a Jew. You don't really necessarily need to be that observant or that you're just kind of like in the country. You're pretty much protected just in that reality in America. Whoa, like one small step and you might get lost into the nations. Yeah. So he wanted to make sure that it was like the, the kids that were growing up in Atlanta had like a strong Jewish identity, learned the Torah, like had like that roots that because I barely knew Hebrew. I only knew English because I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia. Mm. And so sent my brothers off to Jewish day school and they came back saying, you know, Abba, this is really the way we should be doing Shabbat like this. And we should be keeping kosher like this. And my father was like, wow, this is just wonderful. So just slowly but surely, as I was much younger, my older brothers were sort of bringing my family more and more back into the Torah, living a more religious lifestyle to the point where it was like, what are we doing in Atlanta? Yeah, there you go. And so it was 1991 at that time. And uh, the Gulf War broke out. And my two older brothers were both at New York University. They dropped out of school and moved to Israel in the middle of the war. All planes had stopped going to Israel except for El Al. And wow. they got on the plane. I remember like as Scud missiles were landing on Israel, their plane landed. And that and my, I remember I was 11 at that time. And I was like, my brothers are heroes that they would go to Israel in yeah. the middle of a war. That's amazing. And then the, the Gulf War, you know, in Israel, you never know, like, any war could explode into World War III. So you never know what other countries are going to get involved. But, I mean, like, the Gulf War kind of lasted in the summer, and it sort of ended, and 90 rockets were shot onto Israel, but no one was hurt. That was relatively miraculous. And uh, my parents looked around and said, well, the original plan that my father had was to come to America, become a doctor. And then go back to Israel. Move back to Israel. Yeah. Heal the sick. That's beautiful. Yeah, but then is. like life sort of in Atlanta just kind of pulled us in. Nicer homes, nicer cars. Just like great life. Jewish schools. What's wrong? When my brothers brought us back to Israel, my parents said, what are we doing here? So then I was 11 at that time. Um, and then we moved back to Israel in 1991. But I think that's kind of a beautiful sort of macro story there. That when my father first came, my grandfather first came to Israel... He was really running away from Russia, running away from anti-Semitism, running away from what would be the Holocaust just a yeah. few decades later, meaning yeah. everyone in Bialystok was killed. No one survived. And so he escaped. What a miracle. I mean, here you are today because of what he did. There's not many Gimpels in the world Yeah. for that reason. And so um, when my family came back in 1991, we weren't running away like my grandfather was running away. Life in Atlanta was amazing, beautiful. Jewish community, Atlanta Braves, fathers and right? Really nice. Um, we weren't running away; we were running to Israel. And the my, my brothers actually went in the middle of a war to Israel, and that's a totally different coming. And at that point, my grandfather was sort of stepping away from religion as he moved to Israel. And this time, we came back as like religious Zionist Jews with a mission. Um, and that's sort of a, like a transformation that's happening, that the original foundings of Israel um, weren't very religious. Yeah. And a lot of people point to that and they say like, ah, how could that be the beginning of the redemption? I mean, these people, I mean, my grandfather, he first, uh, he established the first kibbutz in Israel. It's called Deganya. Oh, yeah. And it's right on the Sea of Galilee. And so he spent the first two years of life planting eucalyptus trees as a part of his work on the kibbutz. But on Yom Kippur at that kibbutz, they would have a pork barbecue on the Day of Atonement 
on Yom Kippur. Oh. And my grandfather, I mean, like, he he wasn't so observant, but that was like radical. Like, yeah. That's... Whoa. But those were the founding fathers of Israel, like a heart of stone. Like they were, it was almost like an anti-God movement. They're like, God has left us in the exile. We're done with this religion. We're done. We're going to like take matters yeah. into our own hands. They've run the miracle. And, they're in the land. And yeah. they're right. And so, and a lot of people was like, how could that possibly be the vision that God had or that anyone had for like the redemption of Israel? Like, what is that about? But there's something really beautiful that if you look at the book of Ezekiel, it actually was the blueprint that was laid out for us. And this is in chapter 36. Here's what it oh, says. Yeah, 36, yeah. We'll start with verse 24 and on. So I will take you from among the nations and gather you from all the lands, and I will bring you to your own soil. After you're on your own soil, verse 25, then I will sprinkle pure water upon you that you may become cleansed. I will cleanse you from all your contaminations and all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I'll remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I'll put my spirit within you and make it so that you will follow my decrees and guard my commandments and fulfill them. So that's amazing. Yeah, it Ezekiel is. says the people of Israel are going to come back and they're going to have a heart of stone. They're not going to want to follow God's laws. It's going to be a godless movement. And then in the land, a spiritual resurrection, a revival will happen. And what we're seeing in Israel now, every other country in the world, the more prosperous they become, it seems as though they become less religious. They forget about God. They become more secular. Happens in Europe, happens yeah, yeah. everywhere except Israel. Yeah. Israel was a broken, desolate land, and it's become an economic empire in the last few decades, Absolutely. a military empire in the last few decades. But if you look at their religious trajectory, it's becoming more religious, more conservative. Like the believers are growing within the land. Like that spiritual transformation is happening from my grandfather's generation to my generation, like an awakening happened. And so my family that came back now, that was just, we're just following the vision that was laid out for us. Although we weren't trying to fulfill that idea that Ezekiel had, it seems that that was just a part of the process that needed to happen in the yeah. land, out of the land. And so, um, already around, like by the time I was 12, we were like living in the land, living by the Torah, doing our best to be good Jews in the land. Now, did you guys live in Jerusalem or? So we lived in Jerusalem. Um, I went to high school in, um, it's called a yeshiva. And the yeshiva is kind of a seminary, but it's in high school. Sure. So from 8 o'clock in the morning until 12, we just studied um, Judaic studies. So we're studying the Torah, the prophets, um, biblical law, philosophy, all like religious studies. And then from 12 until 7, secular studies. And then from 7 until 8, we go back to learning some Torah one more time before we go to bed. So it's a full day's wow. work. That's a lot of studying, That's right? That's a lot. And then already by 8 o'clock, it's like, okay, what, are you going to go home now? So there's like a, you just you sleep in school, and that's the way it is. Even though it was only by a 20-minute drive from my home, yeah. and you could go home on Tuesdays, and you went home for Shabbat, but like during the week, you were in school, and that's where you were. So I went to high school in Judea, in Efrat, which is now 20 minutes from where I live now. Not That's even incredible. 15 minutes. So yeah. I've always been, what's amazing, I grew up since on high school in that area in the Arugot farm or that region. I never went to because there was nothing to go see there. It yeah. was just barren wilderness. Rocks. Just rocks. Lots of rocks. And so I'd never known, even though I grew up in that area, I'd never been there. So then obviously you came of age, you joined the IDF? Um, yes. Well, High school was a challenging time for me because here was this like, structured thing from 8 in the morning until 8 at night. 
And so I don't like people telling me what to do. <laughs> you know, so I'm like, just like, I was kind of constantly struggling with like the system, struggling with everything. And I was like, I'm not ready to go into the army yet. I don't really feel like, I don't know, like, I don't have peace yet. If I want to go into the army, I really want to go in as a light. I want to go in there and influence the people that will be around me. I'd like to be a leader if I'm going to go into the army. Sure. You know, in America, you, you start off your service already as an officer from the get-go. Like, you go into the army at West Point. So in, in Israel, it's not that way. The chief of staff today was a private, simple soldier, and he rose the ranks all the way to become the chief of staff. Gotcha. And so, Not the two classes or so. Right. There's really, yeah. a two-class system in our military. Exactly. So in Israel, it's like everyone just goes in and you're a private. And okay. if you're selected and you're good enough and you prove yourself, you can rise the ranks to become a leader and become an officer and eventually become the chief of staff. Interesting. But the chief of staff at one point, he was a private in the military, the simplest of all soldiers. Good to know. And so... And I, I also did... I thought that it was... What do they call it? Conscriptive service? I thought that you... You know, you became 18 or 19 or whatever the age was, and then you had to join the military. Right. Well, there there are reasons you can defer your military service. And if you say, listen, I want to spend a year learning Torah, I want to spend a year developing myself, then they'll say, okay, no problem. Take a year off. And so for two years, I went to a yeshiva, a seminary, where it's full-time just Torah studies. Wow. And I felt like, and then there was no structure. There was no test. It's just like you. And that's really when I really started developing like an inner world, because until and was like, well, I'm being graded on these tests <laughs> and these rabbis are kind of looking at me. And so like, okay, well, as long as I get good grades and then I'm good, I guess, to go. But then all of a sudden you spend two years studying and there's no grades, there's no tests, there's no one looking at you. And it's like, wow, it's just you and yourself, just you and God. Like how, wow, what do I do now? Yeah. And so for two years, just kind of developing my own inner world and my own understanding of the world, my own relationship with the Bible. And I feel like those two years were so important. And then I went into the military. And then I was in the military. I became a platoon sergeant in the IDF. And um, probably the some of the probably the two best years of my life in some ways. Just what could you do at the age of 19, 20 that's a better service to your country, better service to your people, better service to God than serving in the first organized army since the times of King David in the yeah. land of Israel. Yeah. That was just, and then to become a leader in that army was just an amazing experience. That's incredible. Now, some, sometime or other, you met your best friend. Yes. Somewhere in there. Right? Yes. Right. So Ari, well, he's not, he's my chavruta. He's my study partner. We went to rabbinical ordination together, served in the military together. And so he made Aliyah at the end of high school. He had finished full high school in Houston, Texas. Gotcha. Made Aliyah. And then we've been best friends ever since. That's cool. And you even live on the same property there. Now we do. Now we're like full partners living on the farm together, growing it together, developing it together. So that's incredible. You know, um, I I think about my kids, I think about myself and faith, and there comes a point where your faith goes from being your older brothers or your parents, and at some point you have to own it for yourself. And there comes a decision time somewhere um, where, you know, no it sounds like almost like a parochial school, right? Where you have people that are watching over you and this is the right answer. This oh. is the wrong answer. There's a test. Sure. And it sounds like there's an experience after that. Um, you, do you have any defining moments in there where you feel like this is when it became for me or is it that's those two years or, um, yeah, I, that's a really good question. I don't know if there was a defining moment. I feel like I'm still growing into it. 
Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm still just struggling to, to become better, struggling to get to be good, walking in the light. I mean, there was a time as soon as I decided to defer my army service and I said, I'm going to dedicate at least one year and then two years. That sort of like set my life in a trajectory and I haven't really stopped. Sure. I've just kept on going. So I, I don't know That's if there cool. was a defining moment. I'm just I, 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 still learning all the time, still open yeah. to new ideas. Just trying to constant, like, I feel like, you know, the, the Torah teaches something so beautiful that you can keep every single ritual and law in action and get an F minus in life. Yeah. Like, but you can, like, imagine that, like, you know, go to heaven, talk to, like, listen, I kept all this whole thing. I did everything that you, was told of me to do. And you get an F minus. You failed because you were a, an absolute scoundrel of a human being. Yeah. Just like a drecky person that no one liked. That was just a horrible. But you did all of the thing, And you get an F minus. Yeah. Well, that's really important to know because, well, where's the book on the on that part of the Bible? Uh, right? That's <laughs> really point, important. Yeah. And so if, and if that's what's the, that's the final grade. The final grade isn't really in the book. It's not like within a religious framework. You can keep all of the rituals and all of the laws and get an F minus. Then I want to know what, how do I get an A plus? Sure. And so I think that's just a life's journey of just continuously trying to become better, trying to become more loving, trying to become more good, more, more in the light, spreading more light. It's like the, the big picture. It's like the spirit. That's like the space in between the letters that the light shines and so it's like really like, and that's like a lifetimes of work because there is no book on how to like find the spirit, live by the spirit. Yeah, that's true. You're right. Um, so obviously I, I'm a Christian. Um, I don't know if all Christians would consider me Christian. We're Hebrew roots, you know, um, you know, I've had some conversation about that. Um, and, but these guys know me pretty well after four years of, um, you know, talking about what we believe and, you know, how we look at the Bible and faith and all those things. And obviously you're Jewish. And so there's some differences there. Um, but obviously we've decided on our side that we don't, we don't want the differences to hold us back from doing the things together that God wants us to do. And you guys, um, you in particular, uh, I've seen, actually, I've even seen um, even some old videos of you where, uh, people were talking, I don't want to say poorly about Christians or what they believe. And I remember watching you, and this is years and years, you looked very young, d- not defending what Christians believe, but defending the idea that we don't have to be that way, right? Or something along those lines. And I, um, But how did you come to the conclusion that as a, as a Jewish person, that reaching a handout to Christians and uh, being a light from Israel and teaching Torah and having such good will, right, was the path for you. I mean, how did that come about? Because, especially when there's so many people out there that are doing the opposite. They're closed off. They don't want to do that. They, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know if there's a, there's a question in there somewhere, but I think yeah, you might know no, what the I understand. That's okay. Um, well, because you're you're unique. I, well, I I've seen a movement that's all over the world and it's only growing and it's Christians that are really, really trying to live by the Bible, like really, really loving the Bible and saying, well, man, the 10 commandments, it's the seventh day is the Sabbath. So what does that mean for me? I I, want to make that day special. And there's all these biblical holidays. Like what is the Easter bunny? Where's that in the Bible? Like, what is that? (laughs) Because like if the Christian's kind of doing Easter bunny, this is like, okay, well there's this other religion that these people are into. Right. It doesn't have anything to do with me. 
I don't know what the Easter Bunny is and why it has eggs and why they're looking for eggs. I don't. That's like okay, that's their thing. That's fine. But all of a sudden, there's a whole movement that are like going all the way back to the to the Hebrew Bible, to the Torah, and they want to learn. And I'm like, well, isn't that just beautiful that the Jewish people are called to be a light unto the nations? And they're now nations that want to learn from the Torah that the Jewish people have preserved for 3,000 years? Well, tell me, what would be a better thing for the Jewish people to do other than teach the Torah to the nations that now want to learn it? To me, that just seems like the obvious thing to do. Yeah. And, it, and I feel like my job is just to kind of hold the space. Hold the space that people can have arguments, disagree, not see things exactly the same way. And we can still love each other, be friends, work together, grow together, pray together, learn together, just because we disagree. So what? We can still continuously try to become better people, serve God, grow closer to Him. All of that is okay, even with the arguments that are there. I mean, I feel like Jews are pretty good at like arguing. Yeah, we like love the argument. We can live in that debate. We can live like within within that tension. That's not that part is easy. But just what I've done is I've just extended that um, happy to debate and happy to argue to the nations. Also, it's like you want to join the argument. Come on, there's another argument going on here. Yeah. So there's like another argument that's happening. But at the same time, it's like wow, how how beautiful it is in a time of separation and isolation and this pandemic that locked everyone alone and kind of removed and separated so many people that to bring a little bit more unity in the world, a little bit more love in the world, more understanding, more openness, more closeness. That's great. How can we go wrong with that? Spreading the Torah to the world. Like I feel like that's just literally bringing light to darkness. And so it can't go wrong with that. So in the past, people have attacked us and people have, you know, been, Jeremy, what are you doing talking to those people? They're dangerous. They're this. I just, I don't share their fears. I feel like bringing light to darkness and sharing Torah, you can't really go wrong with that. And I feel like over the years, uh, our work has bared fruit. Yeah. In the world sort of now sees that those attacks that have come, if they come few and far between, and I feel like most of the people that at once questioned what we were doing are starting to say like, wow, they're really onto something. Something is going on there. And yeah. So, well, when, you know, Christians randomly show up and like want to help, you know, farm, <laughs> you know, I mean, things like that are, are, you know, like high avail. I mean, that's, that's the kind of stuff that's, where did that come from? If that's not God, I mean, what, what is it, you know? Um, so, so obviously you've, you've established now almost a precedent to where, Jews and Christians can work together. And now the question is not necessarily an if, but it's a a what, you know? How do we brainstorm to figure out, well, what are those things that we could be doing for God and and for uh, the kingdom of God and for Israel and for the redemption of the land? Um, If you were able to talk to Christians that are, you know, like-minded, like, you know, kind of maybe like us, um, although there's a whole spectrum and varying degrees of, of, of us, right, in quotes, how, what would you say to them that they could do to, to help Israel, to be, um, uh, I don't know, a helping hand? What, what, what can they do? What can we do to, to right. be part of this? I feel like maybe the word is to align with the destiny of Israel. That's what I feel like is happening. 
that Israel has an unfolding destiny that's happening whether we like it or not. It's God's plan that's unfolding over time. It's the theater of redemption is Jerusalem. That's where it's all going to go down. So it's not happening in, in Brooklyn, and it's not happening in California. It's going to happen in the land of Israel. And it's this, this people that have returned to the land. It's like this process is happening. So how to align with the destiny of Israel that is unfolding before our eyes? So that's a good question. My answer uh, right now, just really, really practical get ready to come to Israel. Meaning right now the gates are shut, there's corona, the airport's not open. Okay, at some point that's going to stop. When the gates open, get on the first plane to Israel. Like get your stuff ready. Put money aside that you can buy the tickets and get the hotel. Whatever you need to do to prepare for when the gates open, get ready to come. That's the first step. And there's time to prepare now. We have months ahead yeah. of us. Okay, that's step number one. Okay. And then step number two is, I feel like the Torah is, is the way. Yeah. Learning the Torah, learning the Torah alongside us. And I, that was really the inspiration for the Land of Israel Fellowship, is that we would um, broadcast the Torah from the Land of Israel for sure. people I don't know who's going to listen. I don't know who's going to attach themselves, who's going to join, who's not going to join. But it's like offering the Torah from the land and then letting people like chew on that for a while, ask questions. Oh, that's a good question. That's challenging. Let me think about that. And then in the learning, so then questions are answered and sometimes questions aren't answered. And it's just kind of like, okay, well, that's, we're going to have to hold on with that for a little bit. And let's like, let's sleep on that and let's sleep on that a little bit more. And like in the Torah, I mean, Torah doesn't mean law, even though I know a lot of people translate it as that. It's like it's it's from the word yore, which means to teach, but it also means um, like to shoot like a straight, like make a straight. Like it's a guidance of how we're to walk straight in the world. And so it's not easy to walk straight in the world. And so the Torah yeah. is just giving us all guidance. Now, it's not easy for me as a Jew in Judea or a believer in Tampa, Florida, or it's like, okay, but as we're like learning together, then we're growing together. Cause like the, the Torah that we learn, it's, it's different than any other document. You can study like history or Aristotle or different books. It, it doesn't usually transform you, sure. but the magic, the, the, I don't want to say the word magic, but like the, <laughs> the, the mystical realities of Torah is that as you learn the Torah, it just changes you. You become one with it. You become closer to God through your learning. Yeah. Just reading it and learning, it's like a transformative It's supernatural. Study. It right? is something that is beyond natural. Yeah, yes. It's supernatural. And so entering into the supernatural together, learning together, praying together, I think that that's absolutely the way. So first is really practical. Get your stuff ready that when the gates open, come to the land as soon as possible because now it's like this is the time to prepare and then the second stage of the preparation i think is to learn together with us learn the torah together every week there's a portion of the torah that's read by jews and believers all over the world at the same time to plug into that frequency to learn that alongside us to learn together with us if it's through the podcast the land of israel fellowship there's so many tools out there today to just plug in directly to god's message every week yeah you know that's it's a good that's a good segue for me to mention that those of you guys that watch or listen to this podcast it was inspired by your podcast which are few and far between nowadays right we have to catch them right. you know when we can get them um but man you guys have put out so much uh out there for people to, to grab onto i encourage people to go back and listen um because 
you know, we, we, there's, there's a, a tendency to be, you know, cautious when dealing with people that don't think the way that you do or that believe differently than you do for whatever reason, and especially between Christians and Jews. And I, I really understand it from the Jewish side towards Christians, right? I mean, I understand the history and just basic understanding. Like, oh, that makes sense why they would be cautious, right? Um, but it's, um, I think they're, what's cool about what you're saying is this is foretold in the prophets, right? So Jeremiah, in Jeremiah 31, he talks about the new covenant. Every Christian knows the new covenant because it's the new covenant, right? It's, it's the, the new covenant, the new Testament, right? But it's foretold in the old covenant by Jeremiah. So it says, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant which I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out uh, of the land of Egypt, my covenant which they broke, though I was a husband unto them, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it in their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no more shall every man teach their neighbor. And it goes on from there. The house of Israel and the house of Judah, the whole house of Israel, right? Jews and Gentiles, you know, whoever it is that's included in this, whatever this entity is that God has. The thing that's going to unite them is the fact that God is going to put the core in between them. So the thing that's at the center will be the Torah. So we've thought of all of these other things that we could do to maybe bring people together and have reconciliation. But no, who would have thought? That it was just, just the Torah. The Torah being in the center that would unite Jews and Christians together. That we would finally see, like, wait, I know that. That's here. Oh, oh wait, I know that. You know? This this common common thread. I just thought that was cool because you know, Pastor Nick has kind of mentioned that uh, you know, several times, you know, and actually he probably would have fallen out of his chair if he heard you talk about Yurah, right? Or Yure, you said. Um, because he has a whole spiel about you know, teaching Torah in five minutes, you know, to anybody, because it's a it's a it's a bridge, a bridge to get people to understand. You know, it's not law necessarily; it's teachings and instructions, and so on and so forth. So, so, so far we've got align yourself with the destiny of Israel. So, like, get Israel focused, right? We've got um, was it learn together? Is that the next one? Was there a third thing there? To well, it was to prepare, to, to come. Prepare, to prepare to come. Right. Ah, oh, man. Well, I think preparing is a big part of like the, like, it's like there's these two bookends in sure. the Bible. <laughs> there's like the story of the book of Genesis, and then it's like we were out of the garden. And then the first story that we're told of humanity outside of the garden is Noah's flood, mm. Noah and the ark. And that's like, that's a... That's a wild story. Like what the first story of humanity is like every kid in kindergarten in Israel, they all know that story. It's like a kid's story. There's a boat and there's animals. It's like, what is that's like, there's like this story that's so deep inside the Jewish consciousness. Cause yeah. it's like, it is like of the first story we tell our children. It's like, that's what it is. And then at the very end of the, it's like, there's this end of days judgment day that's going to happen. And it's interesting that those are the, those are like the bookends there. Yeah. And the fundamental underlying theme of both of those bookends are get prepared because a flood is coming. Uh, yeah. A flood is going to come. Make sure that you have an ark. 
Make sure that you've built your ark. That's how the Jewish people have survived for 2,000 years in all wow, of these different yeah. countries and persecutions because floods always come. Maybe it's losing your job. Maybe it's getting sick, someone you love getting sick. There's things that just rock our world, and then the floods of chaos take us off. And it's like, well, you better be prepared when the flood comes. And so being prepared is so, and then a judgment day. I mean, judgment days happen to us all the time. When things fall apart, it is it this corona virus, at least in Israel, when yeah. we were locked down. Well, it was a judgment day. If you like your wife, great. If you don't like your <laughs> wife, that's going to be a judgment day yeah. for you because you kind of see what you've built. The family that you have around yeah. you, that's what you got. And you're going to get a grade. It's going to be a judgment <laughs> and you're going to, and you're just going to know, but judgments happen all the time because when things sure. get hard, it sort of like tests what you've built and what you have. And that's the two bookends of the Bible are these two stories and it's uh, be prepared. And that is such an important message for our time. And I'm saying that not only prepare for the floods that will come, not if they come, floods come. Get prepared. Build your base. Build your ark, your family, your loved ones, your community. Make those strong now. But I'm saying prepare for the good because soon the gates to the land of Israel are going to be open. Mm. And if you prepare properly, I believe that amazing things are ahead when those gates open up. And you want to be there for that. Hallelujah. I'm, I'm down for that. I think that's awesome. Um, what a, what an opportunity that lays ahead of us if, uh, if we'll be prepared, you know, I've heard that many, many times about, uh, overnight success doesn't really exist. It's just people that were preparing and were ready for the opportunity and able to take advantage of it when it presented itself. Right. Hmm. So when preparation meets opportunity, you know, you have right that overnight success, so, so to speak. And so I think that's for us, the call is to, to prepare, um, and be ready for whatever it is. So you guys are now, I mean, you've done a lot, right? So I want people to know there's a lot of things in between that we, we obviously only have so much time. But you guys now have established um, a, a, a hill at the most, what is it, southern point in Judea? The, like the eastern point, southeast. Eastern, southeastern point in Judea. Yeah. And I've been there, and it's, uh, it was beautiful when I went to see it. You showed me pictures today, and it's great. Um, and for those that are listening, uh, we are going to have on YouTube, on our channel for Beit Tehillah, uh, the talk that you did today. So he described all kinds of cool stuff, the journey to get to that and everything. And so, um, if you had to listen to anything, I would say go and, and, and listen to that because it was really, you know, profound, awesome. And just to hear the process that it takes and what God is doing um, it's cool. And to see, you know, God's fingerprints in all of those things is really cool. So I encourage people to do that. But now you have, um, because of, of COVID, right? You established the fellowship. We sure did. So the original idea for our goat farms was for people to come from the nations to come there and, and visit and experience. Well, not just the nations, oh, okay. but it would be open to everyone. Ah, I mean, it yes. would be just like a house of prayer for all nations. Jews can come, secular Jews, religious Jews, Christians, whoever wants to come is invited. No questions asked. It's for the whole world. Let them all come together in one place that would bring everyone together. Interesting. Yeah. And so I said, all right, well, let's, if we can, if the physical reality of our, it's not our dream, meaning like there's a vision in the prophets of what it would look like if the world was restored, if right. like what it would look like if it was just the way it was meant to be. And so, okay, well, if we can't build that in the physical now, 
well, we'll just try to open it up to the virtual. And if people can't come to Israel now, at least we're offering them the Torah from Israel. We're offering like this Judean experience that's as close as we can get to being there without being there. And so we started the Land of Israel Fellowship. And just like the Arugot Farms, there's Jews that are involved. There's Christians that are involved. It's amazing. It's like one place where there's rabbis and pastors and nuns. There's like two nuns and all the same thing. There's a couple of Buddhists. There's two Muslims. It's like, what is going on here? It's like this whole amazing group of people that are seeking after God, that are trying to grow closer to the Torah, that are trying to like figure this life thing out. Yeah. And so it's just, it's the most marvelous thing that I've ever been a part of because it's hundreds of families from 45 countries all over the world that all come together and we're like start off every fellowship with a prayer and all of these people from so many backgrounds praying together and i just know that that is like that's the secret sauce it the temple in jerusalem is not called a house of torah study it's called a house of prayer for all nations right so the torah kind of can prepare us but in torah there'll be arguments but in prayer, all the arguments become totally irrelevant. You think this, but I think that, but I have this, but I think this, but I think that, oh, it's time to pray now. Oh, we're all praying to God, who's so much beyond anything that we could comprehend anyway. Like it almost makes the arguments, they don't make them like silly, but they're just, they're not relevant in prayer. Yeah. In prayer, we're all just trying to connect to the source. We're trying to bring blessing into our lives. Praise the King of Kings. Wow, what can go wrong with that? And so to bring all of those people geographically at the same time from all over the world and pray together, it's like the highlight of my week. It's so special. And so... So well, we, pragmatically, what does that look like? You guys have a group on like a Zoom call? Well, the, so the fellowship has two sides to it. There's one side that like we've been doing it now for a year. So there's a whole archive of teachings that are there now, like oh, yeah. from all of the Torah portions, the Chagim, Shabbat, the feast, the prayer, all different subjects that we had covered. But then every Sunday, there's a new fellowship that happens. And then that, of course, is then added to the archives. And you can always get the recording if you can't be at the live event. And, but at the live event on Sunday at 6 p.m. Israel time. So that's 11 a.m. Eastern time in America. Well, it keeps on changing with daylight savings time, but I think right You're now right. that's what it is. It changes all this. So we just keep it 6 p.m. You guys don't have daylight savings time. Well, sometimes we do also, but it doesn't always coincide with your daylight savings time. Very strange. Right. Gotcha. So all right. Israel actually works around Yom Kippur to make that fast uh, less long. Ah, interesting. Yeah, we okay. actually pass a law in the country to make sure that that fast ends early. Isn't that funny? <laughs> that it's like, funny. what a country. What a country. It's amazing to make sure, like, the elderly in the city, it's like, we try to, like, make it come early. It's like, who would have thought? It's like, yeah. man, like, that's how our time revolves around the biblical feast in a very real way. And so, um, but 6 p.m. Israel time. Okay. And this you'd imagine there's like people in Holland and in in Scotland in Ireland and in Hong Kong and in New Zealand and some I mean there's a family in New Zealand that wakes up at three o'clock in the morning in order to be there live sometimes on the zoom it's like amazing that's incredible. it's like all across America and then there's just at the very beginning it's not long what's like a three minute prayer it's not like a bit it's not like we're sitting there praying yeah. it's just of course it's just like a moment that we like bring the whole world together from all of those different backgrounds and like rooted in Israel and praying together and it's like the closest thing that I've ever experienced to something that's like of like a messianic flavor that's like wow it's like a house of prayer for all nations it's sure. just in the virtual <laughs> and so what a marvelous thing to to be a part of what an awesome thing to to do and so the land of it never would have happened without the coronavirus because 
we were hosting so many groups. It was like overwhelming groups in the morning, groups in the afternoon. It's a building this farm. It was like, there was no time. And then everything locked down. It was like, well, what are we going to do now? It's like, well, our mission is to sort of bring this experience to the world. So how do we bring, I guess we'll bring it to the world without like this physical reality in the virtual. And it was uh, so many people, they couldn't go to synagogue. They couldn't go to church, at least at the beginning of Corona. Like, like, it was just lockdown. People were scared. Yeah. So like we offered this like opportunity to sort of like, Hey, there's like spiritual nourishment here that's coming out of Israel and hundreds of families just kept on joining. And it's like, I don't know, it's been the most amazing thing that I've ever been a part of. Wow. That's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I'm, um, full disclosure. I'm a member of it. I've been on it. Um, from the very beginning, from the very beginning. Yeah. No, I'm from the very beginning. And, um, you know, it, I think that what's cool is that people are coming together in the name of God. And I think that's one of the big things that can't be overstated, that what a miracle it is that people are putting aside other things that would normally hold them back. And they're coming because they're focused on, you know, God himself, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the people of God the land, right? The holy land, the land of God and God's book, right? I mean, the Torah. So I think that we can really align on all of those things and then see. That's a lifetime. Right. I mean, there's so much to align with there. (laughs) There's so much to align with there. There's so much to do there. There's so much work to be done there. Yeah. And so how awesome it is that what's exciting for me is, you know, this, the way that I sort of understand my life in this there's every generation has a mission yeah and it seems as though the mission of our generation after we've established the state of israel and we've in gathered so many of the exiles and now it's like here we are at the deepest settlement in judea trying to inherit the land that god has called us to come and take possession of it's like our covenant our base covenant with god is a covenant in the land it's not even the torah is like secondary the first covenant with Abraham is like, I'm going to give you this land as an everlasting possession, this land right now. And it's like, this is the generation to inherit the land. And at the same time, the stronger we become in the land, it's giving us a strength to reach out to the nations, which is the last visions that the prophets had, that finally the Torah would go forth from Zion, the word of God from the land of Israel, that the nations would attach themselves to Judea, that they would want to learn from the land. And so it's like, okay, if every generation has its mission, if we are the final generation that seems to be the case, then this is the mission of our generation. Inherit the land and reach out to the nations. So we're just aligning ourselves as best we can with the vision that the prophets gave us. Yeah, I think that's I think that's amazing. Um, Well, we're out of time. I uh, am so thankful and I really appreciate your time here. You came and spoke to us. Um, We, you know, we uh, at Beit Tehillah, you guys, your names, you know, Jeremy and Ari, you know, kind of go hand in hand together, as I'm sure you guys have gotten used to by now. But um, but also. Hey, I was listening to this, you know, podcast. Oh, and Jeremy was saying this, and oh, Ari was saying that. So there's a lot of you guys get quoted a decent amount around here, you know, because of. Um, I think you guys have your hearts in the right place, and I, I think that that's what attracts us to you guys. Um, is, Thank you. Is that you know, um, the rest of the details, you know, what I mean, we can figure out in the wash, um, but we can align with people that have their their hearts in the right place, and so. 
Um, I'm thankful for it. Um, if somebody wanted to reach out to you, donate to you guys, join the fellowship, give, where would they go? How would they do that? Um, the website is www.thelandofisrael.com. And if you want to email me directly, you can just email Jeremy, J-E-R-E-M-Y, at thelandofisrael.com, and that will go directly to me. And um, if you have any questions, I'm always happy to answer. It may take me a day or two, especially yeah. now that I'm on the road, but I, I, I answer all my emails. So. Very cool. Very cool. All right, well, bless you. Um, Thank you. And uh, bless you guys. Have a great week. 